Well, good morning to you all. I've noticed as I'm getting older, uh, I never used to have to drink anything when I was preaching. And I don't know what it is, uh, you that are a little older, does your mouth just start to dry up? Or do I have some fatal disease? Just saying, I don't know. Hopefully it just is getting older. Well, I want to again say uh, welcome to you this morning. And we have some people to welcome into membership. Uh, Their names are going to come up there. We have uh, Emil Dirks. Uh, Justin and Katrina Fink, Roland and Gail Warkentine, Austin and Shamea Wooden, and Leslie Giesbrecht. Now, the cool thing about these members, um, sometimes as a pastor, it just feels like the world is shut down. And uh, I heard of a church in Edmonton that just had 30 people come to Christ. And we haven't had a lot of roses, and I've been disappointed in that. And I've asked the Lord, well, what are you doing We've had more members in the last year than we've had in a long time. And so I think God is up to something. I think God is preparing us. And uh, if you didn't know, after the Second World War, it was one of the biggest growth trajectories the church in North America has ever experienced. And I think when we have more freedom again to visit our neighbors, (laughs) we have more freedom to uh, connect and hug and embrace people and shake their hands, Uh, I believe God is going to do an incredible work. And I don't know, do you believe that God is at work in the heavenlies right now? Do you believe that God is at work right now in you? I think God's preparing me. He's doing something in me. And I think he's got something significant planned. There's nothing that happens in this world. Nothing that happens in this world. That God isn't working in and through. Even Hitler, even Hitler, Second World War, God caused the greatest growth the church has ever experienced. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we go to Second Thessalonians, the last half of the chapter, chapter 2, uh, would you come here and just be with us? Uh, we are going to read very clearly today that we need to have the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit And so, Holy Spirit, would you come and just make things make sense to us and help us to actually read the scriptures as they were intended to be read instead of looking at the scriptures through our culture and through our experiences. Lord, let your scripture cut to the marrow of our bones. Uh, Reveal to us, if we have any wicked way, that needs to be corrected. Thank you, Jesus, for your salvation, for your complete work on the cross. And I just pray today that we would understand as Christians who we are in Christ. And we would be able to live victoriously, actually uh, creating those kind of spiritual muscles to be who we are instead of that memory of who we used to be. In Jesus Christ's name I pray, amen. Well, I hope my prayer kind of intrigued you a little bit. Uh, That's where we're going here as we're in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And I just want to thank God right now because last Sunday night at our prayer summit, between those that were live and those that were online, we had over 200 people praying together. And I, I, I don't know about you, but I believe that is impactful, powerful, and transformational for our city for us as individuals, for our church, for the other churches in town, we prayed for them, for our province, for our country, for our world, when God's people will humble themselves and pray. 
incredible things happen. Yes, I skipped out a bunch in that verse and don't get all uptight about it. But let me ask you as I started off, do you believe God wants you to grow? And, and I will, could even follow that up with just, just a, a little bit of a kind of penetrating little nosy questions. <laughs> what are you doing about it? I end with Second Thessalonians, I mean, yeah, First Thessalonians, Second Thessalonians 5.23 every week, and it talks about that God wants to sanctify you, He wants to work in you, He wants to give you peace. And we're going to be talking a little bit about these old pathways, these old, old ways of coping without God before we came to Christ. Even if you were four years old before you came to Christ, you created pathways to cope without God. And, and we are not in this dual battle between this old person and this new person. We literally are in a battle of renewing our minds. And a lot of us, as we are walking in Christ, we actually get, I don't know if we get tired or we get complacent or we just get whatever it is. But the truth is, God still wants Anthony Bulmer to grow. And if you haven't seen growth in me, I sure hope you have. I try to grow all the time. I try to learn. And uh, like you, I kick and fight and scream. And I will say, oh, that's who I am. I can't help it. And uh, as we had the guy from Fort St. John up here, if you haven't heard me say, well, I'm from Fort St. John after all. And uh, almost like an excuse to cover up some of who I am and my rough edges. But I believe God wants us to grow. And on the flip side, the devil loves to accuse us and convince us we can't grow anymore, we are lost, and we're going to hell. So we get this kind of stress going on in us. And most of us have a desire to be who we know God wants us to be. We've been in this church, in this scripture, in this Bible studies long enough to know that God wants us to be something different and better. He is working on the inside of us and greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. But sometimes you would never know it by the way we behave. Today our biblical text helps us to understand how God is the one at work in us and that we must learn truth, we must be in the scriptures and find out who we are in Jesus. We need to understand this new creation, this being born again. What, what has it done to us? And as we discover that, we then have to have this, what the text today will call the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit in us. Repeated over and over in the scripture as we go into the text today, and you can get in Second Thessalonians chapter two, verse thirteen. And we're going to discover right away that the Apostle Paul, who's probably the greatest user of this, you know, when he wrote Philippians four, he said, "If you're anxious about anything," and before he even says that, he says, "Rejoice in the Lord always." Again, I say, "Rejoice." He talks about offering thanksgiving to God. Uh, Paul always seems to be battling stuff. With Thanksgiving. I mean, if you think about the Garden of Eden, the original sin, it was all about me. These old memories that we learned to cope with this world, 
that still haunt us as Christians, when we get pressed up against the wall, we, we will go into this automatic mode of survival and we'll start behaving in patterns that I personally don't like when I see myself in the mirror. This week when the premier mentioned cautious forward motion, I was mad. And I have not been mad. And I said to myself, what is God over you, Anthony? It was an old pathway that often is a way that I respond to stress. And I want to be in control. And I want to visit my son and his wife. I want to visit my grandchildren in Abbotsford. And I am mad. And this old pattern and this old pathway, it so quickly can rise up. And we start behaving like we used to be. And we don't behave the way Christ has made us. So looking at this first verse, 13, we will understand as Paul uses the word always thankful, listen to this, but we ought to always to thank God for you. I was thinking, but why did he throw this in there suddenly? Well, if you remember last Sunday's sermon, it was a little bit tough, the teaching. He was warning them not to get caught up in some heresy and fake news and stuff like that that was going on, even if it looks like it's a letter from me, he said. And then almost like he has to do this hard check himself, and almost like he has to remind them, we always ought to thank God for you. I want to tell you that thankfulness and having a thankful heart is a wonderful attitude, or, or it's a wonderful uh, antidote to frustration and anger, especially if you're married to somebody you're mad at right now? Have you ever tried to stop and say what you could be thankful for? I mean, our nature, our, our old way of coping without God is, what am I missing? What aren't they doing for me? What could I have? And, you know, some of us think, well, we, and I look at my wife all the time and say, you really should upgrade. I'm pretty old and decrepit. But a lot of us go, man, I could do better than that. Instead of having that attitude, what if we said, what am I thankful for? Instead of what we've lost, we could say, what's actually going right right now? What, what's a, and it might be pretty basic and simple. I mean, I'm thinking about a person that's living on the street, nothing left, lost their job, lost their family, lost everything. What do they have to be thankful for? But I believe everybody can use this process to rejoice in the Lord always again, to, to lift their thanksgiving to God. Thankfulness battles anger and hurt and greed and if you find yourself struggling to hear God, by the way, we teach a course called There's Six Weeks of Hearing God. And if you're struggling with hearing God, the first thing I will tell you is start off with thankfulness. And you're going, well, I don't know if I have anything to be thankful for. Ask God. Say, God, what's something I can be thankful for? And if you still don't come up with anything, find something from two years ago that happened. Just get your head in a better space. We ought to always give thanks. I really, honestly, do you believe God can use this messed up time right now? I believe he can, and he is. Even though I can read stories of churches who have lots of roses. In the heavenlies, friends, things are happening right now. And they're happening for you and for me. They're happening for your lost neighbor. The text goes on to say in verse 13b, 
And it begins to address the, one of the most common problems, I would say, the common struggles, the, the common thing that often have, we, we end up in ditches all the time as individuals. We, we kind of end up in this ditch or we end up in this ditch. And so often in scriptures it speaks to balance. And this verse is going to be one of those things. And you'll notice it's going to bring up these two kind of seem almost opposing situations. But it's going to bring up the spirit and it's going to bring up truth. Verse 13b, and sisters loved by the Lord, because God chose you. Now this is exciting stuff. This is foundational stuff. God is doing something in you and he wants to. God has chosen you as first roots to be saved. How is this done? Here it comes. Through the sanctifying work of the Spirit... And through belief in the truth, right from day one, when God reached down and you said, I believe, I repent and I believe, I'm a sinner in need of a savior. Jesus, you forgave my sins right there, right now. First service I talked about, this isn't uh, McDonald's drive through fast food and a person came up and teased me and said, well, really it kind of is because you go up through the drive through and you say, I believe in Jesus and then you get to be somebody, you get to eat a great feast, they said. They must be connected with McDonald's. I'll let you figure out who that was. But really, to come to Christ is an unbelievable fast food experience because he is changing your heart of stone into a heart of flesh. He is, he is making you somebody different. He's breaking all the bondage to sin and all the things that tore you down. And a lot of us as Christians, we keep li- living these kind of old memory stuff. Verse 14, he said, he has called you to this through our gospel. That you might share in the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I want to unpack that sanctifying work and then that, that true stuff a little bit. But the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. It is critical that you understand that being a Christian is more than correct thinking or correct doctrine. Although we're going to talk about that. That's key. That's important. And you must do. If you don't have the right belief system and the right directions in your head of what is true and what isn't true, then you're going to be doomed. But it isn't just about doctrine and correct thinking, about memorizing scripture. In fact, I would even argue with you that if we were people that got really good at doctrine and belief and systems, if we do not have the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit, we will become really clever sinners. Think about somebody recently who was one of the most intelligent Christians I've ever met. And then after he dies, we find out that he was one of the most clever sinners that we've ever heard of. Without the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit, without the daily interaction and, and connection to the vine and, and speaking with Jesus and without hearing God, without taking the truth in the word and bringing it to the Spirit and saying, okay, I, I just learned something new about myself from the word today. I, I'm not generous and I need to be generous, Holy Spirit. Uh, let, let's work on that together, memorizing some verses and, and asking the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Who can I be generous with today? And letting the sanctifying work come into us. And just to help you break this down, there are three stages to sanctification. The first stage of sanctification is that God sanctifies us. Sanctification means set apart, changed, made holy. God, stage one, sanctifies us in our past. 1 Corinthians 6.11 says, and that is what some of you were. This is important. 
Because Satan's going to come whisper in your ear and say, you haven't changed. You're still the horrible person you've always been. But you were washed, the text says. You were sanctified, the text says. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Romans 6, 17 says it this way, but thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, see, and that's a whisper of the devil, you can't overcome. You're still a slave to sin. You're despicable. Maybe you're not even saved. Don't believe it. You used to be slave to sins. You wholeheartedly obeyed the form of teaching to which you were entrusted. You're not like that anymore. You're somebody different. In other words, we had no ability to live godly lives, to please God. But here is what happened at salvation. Our old self with its Adam-like nature and its predisposition and tendency to sin was crucified in Christ, amen? So now stage two. Being sanctified in our present life. Not only did God crucify our old self with the old nature, he then replaced the old Adam-like nature with a new divine nature. Did you know that? And you're going, well, I sure struggle with that old nature. Yeah, we're going to get to that. But you need to understand that you're somebody different. You're somebody new. You need to discover and understand who you are in Christ by being in the word. You need to understand what God is making you to become, what he's working at inside you from the inside and not the outside. Second Peter 1, 3 puts it this way. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises. So that through them, you may become partakers in the divine nature. Are you hearing that? Partakers in the divine nature. There's something going on in you. Open your eyes, look in the mirror. And escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. And this divine nature is Christ's nature's. That's our new self. Second Corinthians 5, 17. Oh, I love this verse. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, are you in Christ? He is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. Christ is now the internal power in our lives, giving us the desire and the ability to obey God and to carry out his will. Amen. You should swallow this stuff up. So if there aren't two natures, this Adam-like nature and this divine nature, battling within us, then why do we still act and react as though sin was still in control of us? Let me try to help you out with this a bit. When you learn to drive... I remember living in Fort St. John, lived at the airport, and the first time, I remember, mom let me drive the car home. I just got my learner's license. I can remember driving, it was a very skinny paved road, and I think it was 80 kilometers an hour, it was probably miles per hour back then, I'm that old. And I was driving along, and I can remember looking at the speedometer, and then looking up, and I had veered left, so I got the car straight in between that narrow road, and I look, I'm at 80 kilometers, and then I, I look up again, now I'm over in the ditch, and I just thought, to myself, how am I ever going to be able to drive a car? Well, what happened over time is I kept 
driving and I kept practicing. It, it becomes like second nature. It becomes subconscious. In fact, you drove here to church this morning, and by the time you get here, sometimes you go, how did I get here? It, it's just kind of the subconscious pattern of things the way you do. That's like what you were like before Christ. You had these old patterns, these old pathways, and we slip into them so quick and so easy. But you need to understand that your divine nature has been changed. You have been transformed. You're somebody different, somebody else. You've got old patterns. That's the Romans 12 stuff. Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Alcoholics Anonymous understood this 150 years ago. They began to include this sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. They began to include teaching people the truth. So there was this true stuff and this Holy Spirit stuff. And combining together, they began to see people overcome alcoholism. Rising above. I, I saw a testimony the other day on Facebook. Sometimes you read something good. And it was pictures of a lady at 30 years old. She was so ravaged by drug abuse. I think she'd been living on the street. I don't know all what it was. She had sores on her face. She looked gaunt. She looked, her eyes were hollow. She looked just awful. And she began to show as she was in a recovery program like Rising Above, when she began to meet Jesus and she began to find out how she should be living and she began to understand the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. The pictures showed a change, change, change until she would have looked like a healthy, happy, full person. And she wrote, I am no longer who I used to be. If you are not aware, secular government recovery programs have a success rate of 0.01%, something like that. Rising above, I, I've asked him, and he probably have to remind me again, but I believe they have at least a 20 or 30% success rate. And again, there's always the nature of man that has to be taken in, those old patterns. And it just breaks their heart when somebody can't break free and create new pathways in the mind. They can't renew their mind. They can't overcome. And honestly, that's how we live most of our life is in this subconscious world. In fact, if we didn't do this, if we just didn't, in fact, I get dressed in the morning and I wonder, when did I get dressed? And I look in the mirror. I mean, it just comes second nature to us. When I take a shower, I have this routine I go through. And heaven forbid anybody ever interrupt my routine. I'm getting old. I don't do well if I forget to shave. Or eating. People, if, if you watch me, I, by the way, I, I don't like my food touching. I didn't grow up. You know, I should have one of those divided plates. You start pushing my food together, I'm going to be like, oh, I can't eat. Or walking and chewing gum at the same time. Okay, some of us can't do that. Or how we can talk without thinking. Or biking or so on. It's a really good thing. And we'd spend an inordinate amount of time and energy doing routine things and would get very little done. Our various pathways are intended to help you reorganize patterns of this world in you and by the Spirit's sanctifying work be delivered and by your partnering with the Holy Spirit learn to write new pathways. So you've heard me say this before, but what we do as a church, the elders board and the staff, We try to lay what I call water troughs everywhere. 
What I mean by water troughs is, um, I think it was about 10 years ago, we as a board and a staff, we decided we need to become a discipleship church. We need to be able to, uh, you know, help, get ourselves first and foremost growing in the things of God. And then we need to start discipling or training other people and get them people training other people. And then about three and a half, four years ago, we began down this uh, church renewal journey. You could even call it a uh, revival journey. And uh, by the way, church renewal, uh, we call that, it's a blanket over, some of it comes from Steinbeck, Manitoba, but some of it comes from uh, some of our alliance stuff, soul care and things. But we lay out these water troughs like uh, uh, Holy Spirit weekend that we did, soul care coming up in April. We just did a set free and you heard somebody that gave up some of their stuff at set free. And we go through these water trough stuff in order to help us as Christians to discover who we are in Christ. And not just have the right belief system, the orthodoxy, but to also have the right practice where we actually are living out by the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit, by God who is in us, we're living out who we're supposed to be in Christ, and we're starting to become more and more like Jesus. Stage number three, final stage of sanctification. Boy, I've got three minutes to get done. This is horrible. I'll never do it. Stage number three in sanctification, we will be fully sanctified in the future. Though stage two of sanctification won't be completed in this lifetime, and if you thought I was trying to say we're going to be perfect, we're not. And in fact, you might be way more perfect than me. Maybe I came from a real deficit, and I'm saying I probably did. But once we die and go to be with the Lord, we will be completely perfect and holy. We will be set free from the presence of the indwelling sin and made completely perfect. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 49 says it this way. And just as we have been born, <coughs> and just as we have been born the likeness of the earthly man, so shall we bear the likeness of the man from heaven. Now we were born like Adam, and Adam sinned and fell. And now when we are born again in Jesus, we're going to be like him in heaven. It's very important to understand that it's not a either or. In other words, I need to be into doctrine and I need to believe the right things. That will only get you so far. I mean, our, our school system, our whole government system is based on that. We just got to show them what's right. I would argue without the sanctifying work of God and the Holy Spirit in our lives, we won't get very far with the truth stuff. It's not an either or, it's a both and. We need to have this understanding of understanding who we are in Christ, and then we need to let the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit work in us. And guess what? Here's the tough one. Everybody, you need to hear this. This is the tough thing I want to say to you. It's hard work. I'm leading a mentoring group of pastors, uh, and one of the pastors from Toronto this week, he asked me, how many churches stay the course in renewal? And I didn't have the answer. I had to contact uh, Church Southland and uh, ask them that, and they're getting back to me with the answer. But I honestly could say to him, it's hard work and a lot of people aren't going to make it. Oh, it's rewarding work. 
when I start feeling my soul wounds changed, I've told you guys of some recent soul wounds that God has just delivered me from. Did you know this morning, I have a prayer group that prays for the services, and this is just a new thing that we, so we did it a few years ago and it went fairly well. I really believe there needs to be a spiritual battle that happens before we have church. So you guys have been prayed over by this group. So I left the group. I had to go meet with the worship team. And Del Davis comes up to me and goes, one of the people in the group said, I don't want to wait until soul care is coming up. i got some stuff going on inside me. And so the group began to pray for that individual. And Del smiled at me and said, and they're free. They got their, their soul wounds healed. They got that stuff rutted out that was just bugging them. And now comes the hard work for them. They need to discover who they are in Christ. And they need to live it. And they need to do it in the sanctifying power and work of the Holy Spirit. So not only do we have to have the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit, but we have to have a belief in the truth. And the truth needs to be right and straight. And in our world right now, it is unprecedented. The world and the way the biblical things unfolded often walked hand in hand. You know, black is black and white is white. And and lately the world has been trying to say that a lot of things that we do are okay. A lot of choices we make is, well, you know, they want to choose. And I am absolutely, I'm I'm in this country in democracy, and I believe everybody should be able to choose what they want to do as long as they're not harming anybody else. They should have that freedom. But I will say as a Christian, there is truth. And then there's the lie. There is sin and there's righteousness. And we as Christians who have come to Jesus, we've been changed and transformed and we are different. So we've got to find out what that truth is. And then we've got to let the sanctifying work of the Spirit work in us. There's the orthodoxy and the orthopraxy. They need to work together. So a question might come to your mind. Why doesn't God make us completely perfect when we're born again? Why do we need to partner with the Holy Spirit and learn who we are in Christ? Well, let me give you just a couple of answers to that. I believe, according to the Scripture, life on earth is a training ground for eternity. Hebrews 5.13, listen to what it says. Anyone who lives on milk, that's like a baby, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. When you first become born again, you have no idea who you are in Christ. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use, new pathways, practice makes perfect, have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Second Timothy 3.13 in the Bible says, While evildoers and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know from those whom you've learned it. And how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, there's the truth, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Why? So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. As we, friends, struggle against the pull of sin from within and the temptation of the devil from without, depending on the Holy Spirit inside of us, we are training ourselves to make proper choices and to live the righteous, holy lives we were intended to live. Amen? Let me give you three warnings. First, 
Don't confuse intellectual growth with spirituality. You can become really smart about Christianity and become a really good, sneaky sinner. Secondly, don't confuse emotionalism with spirituality. But don't get me wrong, I hope that, I mean, I heard you guys clapping with some of those songs. I mean, if you're not moved by the Spirit emotionally, I'd be worried about you. So I'm not saying don't be emotional. But I'm saying saying don't confuse emotionalism with maturity. And thirdly, don't confuse the gifts of the Spirit with spirituality. Just because I have a gift of preaching and I can do it okay doesn't mean that I'm spiritual. You look and go, man, he sure can preach. Or we know a guy that was incredibly intelligent. Don't confuse my gift, ability to sing, play drums, lay bricks, whatever it might be. Don't confuse your abilities with maturity. Correcting behavior is realizing our behavior is damaging to us and to others. If we don't know what is correct and holy, then we make sin or rebellion normal. Those old patterns that we learned that become second nature or subconscious, we just think, okay, that's fine. One of the, and I wanted to bring up an example of a sin that we love to overcome or, or to pretend is okay. And I want to say, first of all, I don't know anybody in the church that has this device, okay? So I don't know it, so I'm not calling you out. I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. But one of the funniest sins that we as a church overlook is speeding. Now, as I point fingers at you, I've got them pointing at me. I have a heavy foot. I have a problem with speeding. This is the funniest thing I find. Christians who have radar detectors, and when I ask them, why do you have a radar detector? And they say, you're not guilty until you're caught. And I'm going, what? (laughs) So I can rob a bank, and as long as I don't get caught, I'm okay? No, 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 it's completely, no, it isn't. In the book of Revelation, chapter 2 and chapter 3, you come across uh, these seven churches. One of the churches is the church in Laodicea, and they were tolerating this prophet in their church, Jezebel, and she would use her incredible gifting. She was an incredible prophet. She could say things that would just make people go, wow, that's so wise. But she would use that gifting to entice people into sexual sins. And Paul said, why are you tolerating sin in your midst? And in fact, as we keep reading on, we find Paul saying, instead, stand firm. Verse 15, then brothers and sisters, stand firm and hold fast to the teachings we pass on to you, whether by word of mouth or by letter. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God your Father who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope, listen to this, encourage your hearts and strengthen you, here it comes, in every good deed and word. God is at work in the heavenlies. God is at work on the inside of you if you've received Jesus. If you say, I need that piece of heaven in me. I don't like the way I feel. Sin has left me, just this world has just left me feeling gross. Did you know that you can receive Jesus? And then he's going to strengthen you on the inside. He's going to transform you. And as you get to know the truth and you have this walking, working relationship with the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit, he's going to be able to make you overcome. 
as you start discovering who you should be in Christ. And we could spend lots of time here even talking about the scripture teaches about Christians who sear their consciences. You know, they keep, like they knew at one time speeding was a sin, but then they kind of let her go once or twice, and then they keep speeding, and then pretty soon it's like, well, speeding's not a sin. And it talks, the scripture talks about searing conscience, but we're not going to go there. So, finishing off. What sin do you tolerate? What sin do you tolerate? Let me be really clear. If you don't know that you're tolerating a sin, uh, let me tell you to read your Bible. You need to know the truth. And you need to let the sanctifying the work of the Holy Spirit start in you. And we have this wonderful material called the Way Discipleship Material. A few people after first service asked, how can I get in that? My goal is that we have everybody in the church through the Way material. And basically it's material that walks through scripture teaching. And it doesn't just tell you who you are in Christ. Okay, this is who you are now. This is the way you should behave now. It actually then says, now here's how you can... Let the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit work. You know, you, you can memorize scripture. You can start praying. Um, you can get into an accountability. I mean, it gives really practical, pragmatic advice. And so please don't tell me that you can't grow in this church. Because we've been laying water troughs all over the place. And I can tell you by our tenants, not everybody has been to those water troughs. So here's the conclusion. Let me ask you, speak to God and ask if your life is out of balance. Do you maybe know a lot of truth? You know things that are right and wrong. You know what's sin and what isn't. But you don't even ever have this ongoing relationship with the Holy Spirit where you're understanding he's in you, he's your counselor, he's giving you power, he's helping you overcome. Or maybe you're over on this side and you're going, man, I'm just going to listen to the Spirit all day. You know one of the biggest things I hear about when we teach people hearing God is they stop reading their Bibles. You can't do that. It it needs to be the Bible and the truth, and it needs to be the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because we can be so easily deceived. The Satan can come along, and he can act like he's the Holy Spirit. Usually there's clues like it's angry, it's bitter, I'm going to get even. How dare they? You know, this kind of unrighteous anger that you often see. So speak to God and ask God, am I out of balance? Number two, Set a time this week to pray about the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit and ask God if you actually know enough truth about who you are in Christ. And thirdly, consider joining a group, going through the way or get into a life group, something like that, and start growing. And this for sure, I'm going to pray in a moment, and this for sure, understand that God is at work. COVID has turned your world upside down and made things a mess and you might be angry one way or another. Angry at people who don't socially distance. Angry at people that wear masks. Angry at people that don't wear... It's all over the map right now. (laughs) But please understand, don't let those old patterns get a hold. Find out who you are in Christ. Start behaving it. Start letting the Holy Spirit work in you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, oh, your word is so powerful. Your Bible is so incredible. Oh God, I am so far from being the man of Christ that I should be. These old habits and patterns, they rear their ugly heads so often in me. And I behave that which I don't want to behave. 
And I end up having to apologize so much, God. Oh, God, help me to learn who I am in Christ. Help me to understand what the patterns of this world are that I need to be wary of. How the world copes. I mean, they, they, they get stressed. They go tie one on with alcohol or they, or they go out partying or they, they go out and do something destructive or something like that. Or, or they get onto Facebook and they write mean stuff. Oh, God, forgive us for that kind of old way reaction. Help us to understand who we are in Christ, that we are to love, we are to be kind, we are to be considered. We're supposed to have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. And so, God, would you please reveal to us now where we're out of balance? Would you please inspire and get us excited at whatever age we're at, whether we're three years old or 90 years old, that we still have some growth to do, some discovery to do, some sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit to do. In Jesus Christ's name I pray, amen. Please stand with me. I was determined I was going to get done earlier than first service. I didn't do it. Sorry. Every week I try to keep my sermons down to 30 minutes and I fail. There you go. There's my sin. We always have opportunity at the altar for you to pray. And we always have people up here that are willing to pray with you if you need some prayer. And so please just feel free. Maybe you need to become a Christian today. You want to know, how do I do that? This sounds kind of interesting. I'm a little sick of who I am, and I want to be somebody different. doesn't mean your personality gets changed, by the way, but it means your personality gets turned into being who God has created you to be. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 that I often close the services with. I want you to pay attention to something. This is really important to finish the service on. I want you to pay attention to who is the one that's doing all the work. Now listen. May God himself, the God of peace, may he sanctify you. Now, sanctify means make you better, a decent person. May he sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body, so that's three parts of you. May they be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. May we work towards that, friends. May God work in us to that end. God is using COVID right now. To mature us, to mature me, to improve us, to get us ready as a church for what's coming. Amen? Amen. Fellowship in peace.